Hi, welcome to the Penis Project podcast. This is the place to come to find out everything you've always wanted to know about men's health but were too embarrassed to ask. Join physiotherapist Dr. Joe Milios and sexologist nurse practitioner Melissa Hadley Barrett as they talk to real men and the experts about men's private parts. Have a burning question you really want to know the answer to? Please subscribe to our website at thepenisproject.org and just ask us. The length, while the greater the strength, the more time I've got for you. There's too much talking, texting, tweeting, posting. Too much noise altogether. And silence is strength and peace and space. Imagine silence forever. The Penis Project podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by PROST, Exercise for Prostate Cancer, and the RS Health Penile Rehabilitation Program. PROST is a not-for-profit charity set up by myself in 2012 that aims to help men exercise during their experience with prostate cancer. If you want to know anything more about PROST, including our online service and USB product now available, please just go to prost.com.au. Hi, I'm Melissa Hadley-Barrett and I designed the Penile Rehabilitation Program to help men recover from prostate cancer. It's an online program built on decades worth of knowledge and experience and practice. It's the only one of its kind in the world and it actually works. So if you've been diagnosed with prostate cancer and want to get your penis working again as quickly as possible, and why wouldn't you, then visit penilerehabilitationprogram.com and you'll be off and running. And it only takes about 15 minutes a day. All the best with your recovery, which I promise will never be as bad as you think. November 11, 11 so welcome to the Penis Project podcast. That is really hard to say, all of you listeners, when you've been to the dentist today. So if anybody out there is listening and thinks I've suddenly developed a lisp, that is why. So today we're speaking to Liam Sorrell. He's a counsellor and facilitator of workplace wellbeing sessions and he's also the founder of Australian Dads Network and the owner of Grit and Gratitude. He lives in Caratha, which is, for anyone listening overseas, is a town about 2,000 kilometres from Perth, which is our capital city, but I'll get him to check with that in a minute. And his passion is helping individuals navigate their mental and emotional health. And he does this by facilitating men's groups and working on one-on-one with men. So welcome, Liam. And I just wanted to talk to you about what you do today. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate uh, the opportunity to share a little bit about me and, and what I do. Great. So how far is Karatha from Perth? You are pretty close. Uh, it was, it's, we're about 1,600 kilometres north of Perth. So it's a good... Uh, uh, some people drive it in a day, but I'd probably advise against it. It's a good couple of days drive uh, from Perth. Yeah, I used to work in Onslow, which is reasonably close to there. Quite a long, long time ago, I worked there for a few years. Yeah, so Onslow's, Onslow's just about three hours south of where I am right now. So that's 13 hours drive north of Perth. So it's, yeah, a stone throw. It's our neighbour, essentially, <laughs> yeah. in the regions. <laughs> so... Tell us about you, about, about your Australian dad's work and how you got to do this and, and where you come from and how this became your passion. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, there's, there's a number of different stories, I suppose, that can get woven into all the elements that have got me to where I am now. But I think the, the starting point was uh, 
was being here in Karatha, essentially one of the one of the big starting points. Anyway, was being here in Karatha, and we've been in town. My wife and I have been in this town for almost thirteen years, and when we got here, it was very much a mining town. It was uh, mostly male dominated, and there was a lot of high vis workwear around the place, and and very little families, very little. Um, you didn't see many women around the place. It was very much a, a male dominated working town, a mining town. And then it slowly started to shift. In 2014, um, we had our first boy, uh, Reed, and, uh, and this was, this was the, that sort of identity shift that, uh, that most parents make from being a, you know, a woman or a man that really only just have to look after yourself or maybe your partner or a pet or something. And then we moved into this transition of now we're, we're um, mum and dad and now we have a, a baby that we're, um, you know, we're responsible for, we've got to take care of, we, we want to look after and we want to provide for and, and make sure we're, we're doing the things uh, now at a foundational level, I suppose, to be able to make sure that we're raising this, this child uh, to be you know, the best version of himself. And so, so when you went to Karatha, sorry, did you go there to work on the mines? So by accident, we... And you hear this story a lot uh, up here, and, and especially I think in regional areas generally. Uh, I'm from Melbourne originally. My wife's from Canada, and we met in Queensland when we were both mm -hmm. doing our scuba diver instructors course. And yeah. we there's a big cyclone that washed a lot of the reef away at that uh, particular time we were there, which basically washed away our jobs as well, um, because I was one of the first people to go down and dive on on the reef after the after this cyclone came through, and it was basically the equivalent to, to make it really, um, really, um, I suppose, visual is basically mm -hmm. if you went through a rainforest one day and the next day you went to that same rainforest and a steamroller had just knocked down all the trees. That's kind of like mm -hmm. what it was. Um, one day there's this rainbow of rainforest underwater and then, um, you know, a couple of days later was able to go diving again once we got the all clear and it was just, it was just rubble. Um, so basically that just we didn't have any work after that. And so we picked up some jobs in Exmouth, which is six hours south of Karatha. And mm -hmm. we just traveled across, we just backpacked across the top end, made our, made our way through Karatha. And there was a friend of a friend that was here and uh, we met him for a coffee. And basically we, we picked up some jobs and we never left. We didn't make it down to Exmouth to do those uh, scuba <laughs> diving jobs. We stayed in Karatha. And, you know, for backpackers during the boom time in a regional area, it's a really good opportunity to make some money. And, uh, and it, uh, we just slowly developed some, some friends in town as well, which was, which was nice. And it just made us feel, uh, slowly made this town feel a little bit more home in those early days. Um, but yeah, then, so we had, we had Reed and then it was basically uh, trying to, you know, my parents came over and Alison's parents came over in that first uh, few weeks or a month after the, after, uh, the birth and, and helped us out a little bit at the start, but then they had to go back and do their own things uh, at home. So uh, for us, we were just sort of left by ourselves and, and not really knowing what our next, what we were supposed to do. We we're just sort of winging it as parents. Uh, we didn't read any books. Me, we didn't. Sorry, do you mind me asking, how old were you when you had read? Oh, um, so I was 30. Yeah. And Alison I remember, was 27. 
I think you're right. It's uh, I know when I had my children, I was living in a country town in rural Western Australia and yeah, no family there. And you do need to really like get stronger roots to the people around you and connections. It's important. It really is. It really is. And that, and we didn't have that. We had some, we had some strong connections with some people who didn't have kids. So when mm -hmm. it came to the point of asking for support or advice, they weren't really there. They didn't really know what to do or what to say. Uh, mm -hmm. And then we also had some friends who were older parents who had kids that were already into their teens or have left home. So there was, although they understood, there was still a little bit of a disconnect, uh, which, which was, was hard. And mm -hmm. Reed, Reed in the first six months of his life had silent reflux too, which added this massive impact on us where we were just, we, we didn't know what was happening. Um, he was waking up every 45 minutes in agony. Um, and we were told by GPs that we would go into saying something's not right. You know, he doesn't look like he's having a great time. And we're not either because we're, we were both up every 45 minutes for, um, you know, every stage of this, uh, this process together. And, and the GPs would just say, that's what babies do. They just, they don't sleep very well and they cry a lot, you know, so just deal with it. Um, and so, yeah, eventually we got to six months down the line and we just, we were both at our wits end and we couldn't take it anymore. And we ended up getting a, an appointment with a pediatrician who told us it was reflux and silent reflux and, um, you know, that we need to get some sleep. And we're like, yeah, of course. And so does Reed. And, and we went and, and got some anti-reflux. Sorry, I bet once you started treating him, your whole world changed, didn't it? Well, that, yeah, we went, he goes, you can get this formula from Woolies and or Coles and you can just go down and, and grab that. So we did. And that night we gave him the, the formula and he slept for 11 hours and <laughs> our minds were blown. Like we didn't sleep the whole night, but it took us a couple of days yeah. to get used to it and making sure that <laughs> this wasn't some sort of poison. And um, yeah, but yeah, we got, we got through, we got through that phase and, and funnily enough, um, you know, during that six month ordeal, we thought maybe Reed was just a little bit lonely. So we thought we'd get pregnant again. Maybe he just needed a little, <laughs> little buddy to play with. Um, so what, when you so were we laying our... awake at night, not being able to sleep, you thought, oh, well, <laughs> yeah. we might as well make use of the time. <laughs> While we're up. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it probably, yeah. It was probably something along those lines, and yeah, we um, <laughs> we yeah, so we had our second boy, and they're uh, they're now fifteen months apart. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, gluttons for punishment, maybe I don't know. We didn't give Keegan a chance to have silent reflux. We pretty much got him onto the formula straight away. So um, mm -hmm. yeah, it was it was so during that process, though, I learned that there was you know my wife and I we were rock solid, but you know we we went through some dark times together and alone and um you know, on our own little journeys. And, uh, but also, you know, I learned and it took me until Keegan was born to realize how important, like you said, you know, that community connection is and having those people in your neighborhood or in your corner to be able to call and ask for help. And that's where the Australian Dads Network was formed. It was basically, you know, I was trying to find something here in Karatha that would resonate with me that would be able to gather guys together to be able to just have conversations about whatever's going on and I couldn't find anything. So that's when I just set up this Facebook group and pushed the button on it. And uh, yeah, shortly after that, it was people were just jumping on board and getting in and, uh, and meeting up for coffees and going camping or fishing or whatever at a local level. And then it slowly started to 
to move nationally and uh, now internationally. So, um, you know, what started so with just great. me. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just wanted to ask questions. So that started in 2014 and then it's and then that just grew from there. So, no, it started in uh, just about 2016. So right. um, it did take me a couple of years before I realized how much I needed that that support. Um, you know, there was some, there was a few groups uh, over in the US that I was sort of touching base on here and there, uh, but they just weren't, just weren't really, I suppose, uh, singing the same song that I, I wanted to here. And I, I really wanted to have something that I could connect with at a local level, more so than just yeah. being on Facebook. And that's, that's where I was like, all right, I need to do something on Facebook so anyone can access, but also, that gives people an opportunity, especially in regional Australia, it gives people an opportunity to connect with guys in their local area so that they can, um, yeah, so they can have a tangible, um, develop a tangible relationship with some people in a community. So what happened? How did you start off that? Did you start off like having play dates at the park or take your kids fishing <laughs> or what did you do? How did you start? Yeah, well, oh, a few different things. Uh, yeah, essentially that is just there was some guys who, you know, there's some up here in Karatha, there's some stay-at-home dads that, that um, you know, they connected with some other guys, brought their kids along to sort of coffee shop down the road and, and the kids would play in the park or play on the grass and, and we'd just have a coffee and, and just get to know each other. Uh, you know, that sort of naturally moves into, oh, we're going camping this weekend. Why don't you guys come along? And you know, then the guy's got a boat and he's got the days off. So it's like, hey, put a message, uh, message out to all the guys and say, hey, I'm going fishing. I've got two spots and I want to come. So it just, it just organically, you know, moved from, um, you know, simple sort of catch-ups to, to something uh, a lot more significant and where there's opportunities to remove some of that isolation, you know, instead of just walking past people in the shops and giving them a nod, it's now you can stop and have a chat. Which is which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm. That's so good. And I suppose that was good for the wives too, because they would have met the partners and you would have formed like friendships with other people with young children. Yeah, and that's that's the big, you know, the big thing I think with regional areas is so especially with transient populations, like now in Karatha, you know, when we first got here, like I said, it was it was very much um, you know, mining dominated. It was very much um male dominated but now it's completely it's a family community there's 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 more parents and prams around the town than there is visible workers you know so it's it, the dynamic has shifted and and that's really cool because you know now you have the ability to be able to um you know catch up at any stage with a family as opposed to just the guy and and so when we talk about building community and helping communities thrive, and that's one of my big missions, is, is that it needs to involve everybody. You know, we can't, although there's, there's times when mum needs to do mum things or woman, woman needs to do women things and, and vice versa, same with men and, and dads, you know, have sp some space where you can vent or talk about things in a way that is not going to, um, you know, that, that you're going to get a different response, you know, uh, or a different set of uh, support ideas or advice. Those are really helpful. I think also, to be able to, yeah. Sorry, got to bring that say, together as well. Also, yeah, women are usually a bit more, a bit better at that than men. So it's 
such a great idea to facilitate that that conversation with guys. Yeah, and um, the other interesting thing is that you know a lot of a lot of guys that have jumped into our private dads only community or male community because we've got guys inside of our Facebook community that are not dads yet. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, the interesting thing is when we ask people when they uh, some of the questions before they enter the group, how did you find out about us? And and a lot of the guys will say, oh, my wife told me about it or, you know, my my sister or someone said that this might be good for you. You know, so it's it's there's a lot of support from women to be to say to their guys, uh, hey, it's OK to go and get some support. It's OK to go and ask for help, you know. And, and I think that's really important. Even still now, there's like there's, there's a ton of in-person groups, especially for new parents. They're shifting from mums and bubs groups to parents, you know, parents groups. But still, and I speak, to, I speak at some of these, um, these meetings, there's, there's still very little men or dads that rock up to these parents groups. And, you know, there's a number of factors that could contribute towards that, like time of work and stuff like that. But there's still there's still a bit of a hesitancy maybe or a gap in that space where guys are just not feeling not certain spaces are for them when they are they can be for everybody yeah i know um i worked at the cocos island when my kids were little and i was mm. working and um my kids dad was the stay at home dad and there was like a group of you know mum's group there and there was only him and one other dad. And I remember that being quite difficult. And also, I think it was difficult for me too, because I felt kind of alienated from getting to know the other women on island who had young children and difficult for those two guys because they felt alienated as well because all the other men on island were working. So it was all, it's, mm. it's a tricky thing to navigate. And that's a long time ago. I mean, my son's 26 now. So hopefully things, it sounds like things have come a very long way since then. So. It sounds like it, yeah. It's um, yeah. That like I said, that thirteen years we've been here, it's completely shifted uh, the dynamic of town and um, for the better. So there's still a long way to go, uh, but you know, it's we're, we're making making good progress towards being. And I think most regional communities are. I did a tour around Western Australia last year and and a little bit this year as well to regional communities. And um, you know, there's definitely a there's definitely movements in each of these areas that I've been to that. Um, are suggesting that there's positive shifts towards uh, you know supporting supporting all of community and uh, and especially from a mental and emotional health perspective, which is really good. So tell me then, so now you've got people from all over the world in your network, haven't you now? Yeah, we've got um, we've got guys from the ages of eighteen up to seventy five. Uh, and we have um, guys who aren't dads, and we've got great granddads as well. So it's a really good, really good mix of uh, of men that are providing support and advice based off of their own experience, which is yeah. And then yeah, like you said, there's uh, there's just under three thousand guys inside the community, and they are all across the world at the moment, which is really cool. From um, we've got guys in London, we've got guys in Canada. It's all over the place. It's awesome. And so these guys that are in your community, they like connect with each other if they're in their local place face to face and otherwise online. So face to face, 
whenever the guys, uh, well, I'll start with online. So online, there's 24-7 Facebook community. So it's there's guys accessing, accessing support and advice and sharing um, what's happening for them, wins, the losses, the, the jokes, everything. Uh, so that's that's accessible, yeah, 24-7. And then we've got um, basically we've we've now or since uh, 2000 and oh, what are we doing? What are we now? 2020, uh, yeah. we've got charity status. So um, now we're raising funds and everything we raise funds for is to go back towards supporting the guys inside the community in some way. But mostly the focus is on uh, using those funds that we raise to go towards getting guys connected at a local level. So, you know, that could be just, you know, we find out some guys in Perth are going to catch up for a, a meal, then we will get them to, uh, well, I'll find out where they're going and then I'll try and, you know, order the, the entrees or something before they rock up. So we know that they can at least start the conversation without having to worry about getting food or maybe it's some guys in, in Melbourne who want to catch up for a coffee on Sundays then we can fund them to have the, you know, the first round of coffees is on us or something just to make it easier and more accessible for, and reduce some of the friction that might come with uh, getting guys to it. Cause we know that some guys are hurting financially as well. So if we can be at least um, reduce the barrier for guys to be able to connect uh, then, then that's a, that's a big plus for us. Yeah, I was just actually listening to the news this morning and they were saying, and I thought this was a terrible statistic, that over half of the families in Tasmania at the moment are facing food insecurity because people are like suffering so much with their finances and parents are pretending that they're not hungry or they've got a stomach wog so they can feed their kids and, you know, and they're mm. too proud to go to food bank or something like that because it's people who have never been in this position before. And so I think, you know, obviously having financial stress is bad at any stage, but particularly bad when you're a parent. Oh, no doubt. I, I couldn't imagine. It's, um, it just adds, to, it just adds more uh, stress, I suppose, to, to what it is like managing um, a household. It's, you know, mm. it, it adds more and more stress and then that adds more and more pain. Um, and, and the kids, unfortunately, kids are aware of this stuff, you know, kids are sponges and even if we're not saying things they're picking up on it they're picking up on our emotions they're picking up on our energy that's around and uh, yeah so they're they're not oblivious to what's happening even though we're trying to protect them as much as possible they're fully they're fully aware of at least our uh, emotional energy in the house and is this your full-time job now you don't have another job this must take up so much time running this so so I just left uh, full-time employment in January this year and set up my, uh, my business called Grit and Gratitude, which you mentioned at the start of the, start of the mm -hmm. recording. And so I'm doing, I'm doing a combination. So basically with me being able to do uh, Grit and Gratitude, which is, uh, I'll explain that in a second, but basically gives me a lot more free time to be able to do uh, things for the dad's network as well. So now the dad's network's not full-time. It's, it's, it's run by um, myself and a, and a bunch of um, legendary volunteers in our management committee and other guys that contribute as well. It's the, the, the beauty of the, the group is that um, guys that have received value from, from our community in some way, they're always 
putting their hand up to be able to give back in some way. And a lot of these guys are uh, professionals or, you know, equipped to be able to support in certain ways. And, uh, and so they do, they, they ask us how they can help and this is how I can help and, and they, and they contribute, which is really, really awesome. Um, and so, yeah, I, I suppose during the, the last seven years of running the dad's network, I really got a handle on, um, and still learning always a student, never a master. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I, I got a, a bit of a handle on my own mental and emotional health and, and learned some things along the way, which I was able to then share with with guys who were moving through a similar thing that I was moving through. Uh, and then I thought, I kind of like this, um, this space of helping. And so last year I completed a, a counseling uh, course, which got me um, accreditation to be able to be a practicing counselor. So that's where I was moved into now doing uh, counseling, but also, um, you know, I, I really enjoy speaking in front of people. So I've developed a range of programs uh, to, deliver at uh, workplaces and businesses and community organizations and groups to be able to support that mental and emotional well-being for their employees or their, you know, or their community, whatever it might be. So that's where I've moved into grit and gratitude. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of other things that, uh, that I'm doing at the moment to be able to really just the big message, like I mentioned before, is just what can I do to be able to help our community thrive here in Karatha, but nationally as well. Uh, I know that there's there's so many people that have got uh, so much hurt, so much trauma, so much struggle, um, and there's ways that we can help ourselves, but we just haven't been taught how. And so that's that's my mission is to be able to help people identify and understand how much we can do for ourselves, and uh, and then be able to piece the pieces, put all the pieces of the other puzzles together as a result of that. Yeah, because I think particularly when you're a parent, if you're not sound in yourself, it's very hard to to look after someone else. So you've got to look after number one first, but it's not always easy to find time for that. No, it's not. And so it's it's very much about a lot of a lot of people and a lot of guys that I work with is very much about creating a creating an impact with the time that you do have that is positively supporting you. So, you know, time is time's a funny discussion to have. And I have these conversations at, uh, at workplaces a lot. And, you know, there's, if we were to actually do a bit of an audit of everybody's time, there would be time to do some things that can really impact your, uh, really impact your day or impact your mood or impact, um, you know, what you can do tomorrow. So there's, there's, definitely, there's definitely time. But I think it's. I think we put some of the things that are not necessarily helpful uh, in place of things that are helpful, just because we haven't got that education or haven't been taught how to necessarily, um, you know, find those things that are helpful. So it's. Uh, yeah, I think I think we've got. I think we've got the time. We just need to spend a little bit of time to to cultivate that uh, those routines and those habits that are helping us and moving us into the area that we want to be, even if we don't know what that is at this point. But yeah, that mental and emotional health, especially if we've got kids, mental and emotional health is extremely important. We don't have to be perfect at it. We just need to continue to strive to be a little bit better every day. Mm. So with um, grit and gratitude, so people can then book like one-on-one sessions with you for help. So say if you were a guy, and do you only see men or do you see women as well? Um, 
women and uh, I've been working with a local school here. So I've been seeing a few of the uh, their high school boys as well. So right. uh, yeah, yeah, a good mix. Yeah. That's excellent. And so when, so then they can book in, but if I was a guy and I was struggling and I just thought like, I'm interested in hearing what Liam said and I could do with some like planning around how I could use my time better to actually improve my own health. Um, then they can book a session with you and tell them what they're going, what you're going through and then you can help them with a plan. A hundred percent. Yeah. So there's a, uh, if jump on my website, uh, gritandgratitude.com.au there's uh, there's individual support and there's also uh, workplace support that's up there at the moment or just a contact uh, contact us page you can just put your details in there you can book uh, a call with me a free call straight off of that uh, straight off the website and, mm -hmm. and from there you know usually the calls are you know 15 20 minutes long just for me to get a bit of an understanding of where where you're at and then from there we can just work out a plan. Some guys get enough out of that that they're like, oh, okay, yep, cool. I'll move, I'll move into that space and I'll touch base with you later on. Other guys, um, yeah, are like straight into it. Let's let's book in a let's book in a a one-on-one -on -one call. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the guys that come through are coming through after my sessions as well at workplaces. Um, you know, because yeah. obviously it's still hard for guys to be able to rock up and and you know, and go into a a room with another guy and, you know, be vulnerable and share some of the stuff that's going on. And and so that's, I understand that. And it's a lot of stuff to unpack, I suppose, in regards to why that is a thing. But the the workplace sessions where I can speak to, you know, anywhere from 20 people to, you know, 60 people in the one time and have conversations with guys after that, that leads to, I mean, one that builds trust in me, and but also it uh, it gives guys an opportunity to be able to maybe see see me or see the brand or uh, understand that there's someone that is willing to listen that maybe is different to the people they've spoken to in the past. And so I also I do a lot of stuff that's really really tactical and really um, in a, in this in in less than three minutes can can shift your state that is um, a lot of guys haven't had that experience before and I think that's pretty powerful too so when people are in those sessions they go oh some of this stuff actually works it's not just woo woo and um, and it's actually helpful so yeah there's, a, there's really a range exciting. of different things I, know, I find that I do quite a lot of public speaking in workplaces as well around men's health and I'll always find that People don't usually, men don't usually ask questions at the session, but I always leave a card at everyone's seat and because no one will ever come and get a sexual health card. They won't pick it up in front of their workmates. But inevitably, there's at least four or five people out of every 20 who will book a consult because they've got a question and they just didn't know help was there until someone came and talked about it. And I imagine it's much the same in your situation that, you know, there might be guys that feel like they wanted help but didn't know where to ask. Oh, it's it's amazing how many guys come up to me after a session and and they'll just pick something that they grab. You know, even if they're um, hour or two hour sessions, they just pick one thing out of it and they just come up and will say that story resonated with me because of this reason. And you know, and for the longest time, I felt like that um, that story I mentioned earlier about the silent reflux. The longest time, I thought I was the only one that we went through it. 
I assumed that there was more because you could buy the formula straight off the shelf, but I never spoke to anyone who had had experienced that. And uh, pretty much every time I tell that story at a, an event or at a workshop, someone will come up to me afterwards. A guy will come up to me afterwards and said, that exact same happened to us, except it was eight months or except it was 12 months and we didn't have any support. So it's amazing that, you know, the, the power of um, telling stories and, and sharing stories, being vulnerable, you know, for us that are, are comfortable to be speaking in front of other people, sharing our stories and being vulnerable in that space opens the door for others to be able to share as well. Even doesn't mean they have to share in front of, you know, 50 people. It can just be that they're willing to now go and talk to someone about it. Uh, and I think that's, I think that's pretty, it's a pretty powerful thing to be able to share that and, uh, and guys to be able to get that response. And, uh, and, you know, I think slowly but surely we'll move to that thing. And, and one of the, my, my big sort of, uh, one of the things that I say a lot is that we are stronger than stigma. I believe that. And, and I know that we can, we can break past this. And part of my journey on, on, on doing that and helping guys through that is just by speaking about it and just being available. And, uh, and hopefully that uh, can slowly, I can be a little part to play as you are uh, in, in breaking that stigma and, and, and moving us past that. Yeah, I really think you're right. I think having the lived experience is so powerful because it's, it's hard to know how someone, I mean, you can never be in someone else's shoes exactly, but when you've got the lived experience and you hear that someone's been through something similar to you, it's like, I'm not alone. And then, you, you know, you're more inclined to ask for help and you're more inclined to trust the help that you're going to get. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like empathy, empathy is massive. And I think even to, you know, amplify that even further is, is simply um, without judgment, acknowledging that every single person that has survived to this point has one they've uh, they've gone through some something you know that hasn't been very very fun or very uh, very nice you know that just acknowledging that everyone has a struggle or even if they don't even realize it they've got a struggle um, that could be impacting what they're doing right now or how they're behaving right now um, but also you know we've got to this point which is something to celebrate as well you know part of my logo is a semicolon which is just to signify that, you know, our story isn't over. This might feel like it's the hardest time. It may feel like it's the biggest struggle and I don't know how I'm going to get through it, but just, it's just a pause. It's just a, it's just a moment where you need to stop, reflect, get some new tools in your toolbox and move forward. Uh, it's not the end of the road. Well, I think it's amazing what you're doing. It's great. And now I'm just back to your woo woo thing. Would you be able to give us a, <laughs> a very short example of something? that someone could do? Like if they're feeling anxious or stressed, they might be able to take away from this that they could go, okay, what I could do this right now. Oh, there's so That's many. That's putting you on the um, spot, isn't it? Sorry. <laughs> no, not at all, not at all. It's, uh, it, it's just, uh, I suppose, the quick, uh, the quick overview is, is everything revolves around our nervous system. And so we need to be aware of, our nervous system and how it is is creating um, that emotional state with inside of us, and so there's 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 two major states. Obviously, rest and digest, which is really good. It's nice and calm. The body feels safe. Um, on the other side of that is is um, you know fight or flight. So heightened senses. Everything is like there's there's some sort of threat around us. This has all come from a, a primitive part of our um, 
our being that is not, uh, or our biology that's not, hasn't changed from when we were, our ancestors were around, you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago. So the brain hasn't caught up. The body is still the same. And we still have the ability, we have the ability, but we've just never been taught about how to, uh, how, how to regulate our nervous system to support us. And so a lot of us, um, I don't know the percentage, but I would say it's probably close to 80 or 90% of people are breathing really high up in the chest, which is, is triggering the brain to think of it as a threat, as some sort of threat. It's a stress response. So if we're feeling stressed and we're feeling anxious, we want to just focus our attention on breathing deeper into the belly. And deep breathing deeper into the belly is basically telling the brain, simply put, that we're safe. And so that's one way. So if we're highly regulated now and we're, we're feeling like we're always that, um, that Coke bottle that's always that's been shaken up and if we're just going to have to be one thing that's going to just pop that top off and we're just going to you know, fly off the, the radar. Um, if we're feeling like that, always breathing up in the chest is not going to help us. So we need to down-regulate, which is basically come out of the belly. So there's ways that we can, um, we can breathe to help with that, which is, uh, I suppose, the, the best one for balancing that would be maybe five by five, which is a really simple breathing technique, which is being aware of your breath, is breathing in through your nose for a count of five seconds and out through your nose for a count of five seconds. Really, really, really straightforward. You can do it at any stage of the day. You should do it. I know there's a lot of people that are going around at the moment waxing their nose hairs, but if you've still got your nose hairs in, you should be breathing through your nose without even tickling the nose hairs. That's how gentle it should be. So it's really just about being mindful of your breath. Um, and so in for five and out for five. If you do that for three or four rounds, uh, that will regulate your nervous system to a point where you'll be able to just collect yourself, be calm, um, refocus on, on where you want to move forward. Um, there's, 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 so many, there's so many out there. If, um, yeah, if anyone wants to reach out and have a conversation about it, then I'm more than happy to, to run you through any or send through any others. That might be helpful as well. Um, but just, yeah, yeah that's I suppose just- great. Sorry, that's such a great simple thing to do. And I know um, the other thing I like about the idea of being involved in a group or having a counsellor helping you with this deregulation is that often we don't do something unless we're accountable. And I suppose a good example of that is I recently saw a physio for some um, problems I was having and she was like, oh, Melissa, you're not breathing properly. And she went through something very similar of that with belly breathing stuff. Mm. but it's still, I still don't do it, but I'm going back to see her tomorrow, three weeks later, and I've been doing it every day because I'm going to be accountable for that, you know, and it does, it makes a great big difference. And that's it, you know, it's, it's one of those things where um, it's not just a one and done task, like, you know, doing something to support your, your nervous system or to support your mental health, your emotional health, it's just the same as your physical health. You can't expect, I think a lot of people expect to be able to completely regulate their emotions, not have stress anymore, not have anxiety anymore, not feel depressed anymore, just because they go to one session with a therapist or go and do one meditation or, um, you know, do that simple breathing technique and think if I just do that one once, then I should be fine. That's what the book mm -hmm. said, or that's what the, you know, it's just not the case. It's, you, you never go to the gym thinking I'm going to get broad shoulders by doing one chin up. You know, it's, it's, it, we know that you need to be 
patient. You need to be consistent. You need to put it in your routine. You need to make a habit out of going to the gym to do that thing you want to, to, to build that muscle. Um, mental health, emotional health is, is all the same. Uh, you need to have, you need to put it into your, into your routine, make a habit out of it, make it a priority. And, uh, and from that, over time, you'll see the benefits of it. No doubt about it, 100%. Well, it's been amazing speaking to you. I really appreciate it. And like, it's just so exciting for me to see men getting involved in these kind of groups. And before I was before I started recording today, I was telling you about, I actually have a patient who's been involved in a very similar group. And I've watched him over the last four years evolve and change so much. He's a single dad and it's just been amazing for him. And like, it's been amazing for his kids too. He's got these two beautiful little girls and he's a gorgeous, really present father. And yeah, he's doing all the things. He's doing the breathing. He's doing the meditation. He's spending really focused one-on-one -on -one quality time with these kids. And now he's supporting other dads. And mm. like, I just, it's made such a big difference in the time I've known him to the person he is now. And I just think we can always work on ourselves, but we need help. You can't just expect to be able to do all this stuff without help. 100%. We're creatures of community. And that's, uh, that's well, community creatures, maybe is a better way to put it. And, uh, and yeah, and so the more people we have around our circle that are supporting us, that are helping us, lifting us up as opposed to bringing us down, the better we're going to be. And that, that supports the whole community, not just that person. It's a pretty special thing. It is. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today. And I'm going to put your website and Facebook and everything in the show notes. Um, so if anyone would like to get in touch with Liam, um, then feel free. And it sounds like he has a lot to offer and his groups certainly have a lot to offer. And it's a great way to get support and especially for rural and remote people because it's very isolating. There's, you know, I think it's hard for other people in other countries to understand the distances that we have and how hard it is to connect with like-minded people in somewhere like Australia where we have such big distances. So it's so fantastic what you're doing and that it's all available on the internet. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to have a bit of a yarn and uh, yeah. And, yeah, like I said, if anyone wants to reach out, then, then feel free to do so all over Facebook or, or wherever. Um, yeah, reach out if there's any way I can help you, help your organisation. Uh, just, just get in touch and, and we can have a chat. Um, but yeah, appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for doing what you're doing and supporting uh, men's mental health and, and everything uh, that you do for, for your community as well, Melissa. I'm going to tell you about a boy who lives inside me been there all of my life. Hi, I'm Melissa and I hope you enjoyed the podcast this week. Just a reminder, if you've been diagnosed with prostate cancer, I've built a penile rehabilitation program just for you. It's an online program packed with information, exercises and advice along with proven strategies that will get your penis back in working order as quickly as possible in about 15 minutes a day. If you like the sound of that, then please head over to penilerehabilitationprogram.com and you can start straight away. Or there's a link from the RS Health website. We would also love you to review and subscribe and share this podcast so we can help more men. Links to Instagram and Facebook are in the show notes. We look forward to seeing you there. So spread the word that help is available. All the best for now. Bye. 
Got a boy of my own now It fills me with pride To see him growing so fast into a man His victories become mine